it's surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest escapes these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today is our monthly edition of Ramblings on the Run with Allie and Matt. As you know, if you've heard this before, every month, Allie Feller and I switch off in terms of who hosts the podcast. This month, well, not really this month. This is supposed to be the July episode. We always do it the last week of the month. Uh, This one kind of bled into August, but that's all right because we brought it this time. I love talking to Allie. She is such a thoughtful and energetic person, and she definitely brought that again in this episode like she does with every episode. So this one was a a Q&A. So we did our typical three three topics, three questions that we always ask at the beginning of each of these. And then we did listener Q&A, which is always fun and goes into a a variety of different topics um, from the seriousness to, or to the very serious to the not so very serious, I guess is the best way of putting it. Uh, And if you've heard these shows before, then you know what they're like. And they're so much fun to record and I hope you enjoy listening to them as well. We've got a lot of great feedback on these, which is always fun to hear. Earlier this week, I launched Mastering 40, My Journey, from out of shape and overweight to hopefully breaking 40 in the 10K next summer, a couple months after I turn 40. Hence, mastering 40. I'll be a master's runner for the first time. I'll be 40 years old, and I'll be looking to break 40 in the 10K. I'm so excited to share this with everybody. It's going to be two blog posts per week at mastering40.com. That's the number, 40.com. Also, one podcast every three weeks, just like the one we just put out. So, you know, two or three segments with the experts that I'm going to be working with. My coach, James McCurdy, my dietitian, who's also an excellent runner as well, Starla Garcia, and my therapist and sports psychologist, Adrian Langlier. And I'm just so excited to work with all of these people. So with all of that being said, let's dive into it. Ramblings on the Run with Allie and Matt. Welcome to the latest edition, the July edition of Ramblings on the Run with Allie and Matt. Allie, it's so great to talk to you. I hope everything's going well. It's so great to talk to you. And also when you said July, I i mean, I know now it's technically August, but I was like, when was July? I have no concept of time right now. Like just no idea what month is it. I know it's 2020 because we've been stuck in that for a while. But uh, wow, yeah, I don't know. You said July, and I had to like guess for a second. Is that where we're at? So yeah, hey. <laughs> there you go. It's funny. I just before we hopped on, I was on Twitter and I saw a tweet that Erin Strout had put out. It was a fa- favorite of the pod. Um, and she said, I think she retweeted somebody saying that the pandemic has been going on for twenty three weeks, and it's hysterical because like, you know, you've gone through pregnancy. You know, our family has gone through two pregnancies, and it's like. 23 weeks of a pregnancy feels like the blink of an eye. And it's so funny how time can be so elastic in relation to whatever you're kind of counting down or counting up to. I just love that you, as the man, said that pregnancy feels like 23 weeks. And I am laughing so hard thinking of all the women listening who want you to know how 23 weeks really feels. I know. No, that's fair. Like mine did. Mine mine went by very quickly. Um, And I think, you know, everyone at some point in their pregnancy will say it's either flying by or it's crawling and that can change in a day. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think for me, 20 weeks, 23 weeks, I do remember being like, whoa, we're already over halfway there. Uh, But yeah, it is funny to compare it to pregnancy, which means, you know, maybe at 40 weeks, 
we'll be uh, all wrapped up with this thing. Yeah, right. Let's, let's, let's stay positive on what we'd be giving birth to at the 42-week yeah, right? mark. <laughs> exactly, because anyone who's done that has become a parent, whether you are the person who has carried the child or not. You know that the pregnancy is not often the hard part. Um, again, and again, that's a generalization. For some, it might be. But um, for me, the pregnancy was like, oh, this is cool. And then the reality hit. So, you know, we'll check back right. in at 40 weeks of the pandemic and see where we're at. That's so funny. Yeah, because I was thinking like it also kind of mimics it in other ways. Like the first 12 weeks, like take for, you know, feels like every day is like, is everything okay? Is everything okay? Is everything okay? And, and you know, and, and every family, it seems like every family has, has, you know, has struggled with maybe pregnancies that didn't go according to plan. And so like, you're so like tense, those first 12 weeks and you kind of cross that barrier. And then it's kind of like, you know, you're kind of in the clear for a little bit. And then you start, as you get closer, you're like, all right, now like things are starting to get real and, you know, and so on and so forth. But it's, um, it is wild. It's like, just put in that perspective. I thought that was, that was keen the way she, the way she did it for That's sure. So funny. It's funny to look back too at like, I mean, I'm just thinking 23 weeks, like, does it feel like it's been 23 weeks? I mean, to me, it feels like it's just been for as long as I can remember now. And it just feels like it went from zero to lockdown. Like, I do remember, and I know we've talked about this, and I don't need to go into it more, but like the weekend of the trials, we talk about that. I talk about it like every day. I'm a little obsessed still, but I remember like hearing a little bit about it because didn't Trump do a press conference about coronavirus during the marathon trials? And then like I remember two people wearing masks at the airport and being like, oh, that seems silly. We don't need to do that. And it was literally a week later that it was like our world had changed. So I don't know. It's just it's weird to me that like I go back and forth between like, this is so hard and this is just what's normal now. And I don't know. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling a lot of emotion these days. And when I'm not feeling emotion, I'm feeling numb. So really, I'm just a joy to be around. I would say I'm a really fun person these days. <laughs> well, you know, I like talking to you. So there you go. At least you got Thank you. That one conversation a month, um, um, you know, where I, you know, you're, you certainly bring it, but I'll tell you what, it, I totally hear you. And I think so many of us do. It almost is like, it. it's almost dependent on what we're hoping to do that day or what we're planning for at some point, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, like, um, you know, whether for thinking about school, then it's like, oh God, this is awful. And then like other times you're just like, oh, wow. Like, it's just nice to like, you know, not have to worry about like, you know, going out and doing things, I can just worry about like staying home with my family and, and you know, making the most of it. Again, that's, that's a complete oversimplification, but you know, there are times where it is just nice to be like, all right, I don't have to worry about like a ton of choices about what to do today. We're just going to chill. Um, but yeah, man, it is, it is wild. And now that, you know, we're recording this beginning of August, it's August 3rd and this pod will come out in a couple of days. But, um, you know, I think a month from now, I think the next podcast we do is going to be a totally different as <laughs> yeah. school year approaches. It's so funny. I remember when we, so we started doing this in what, January of this year? We were so innocent then. We jinxed it. Do you realize that? For we sure. jinxed it. But I remember in, so it would have been our March episode because it was when um, the lockdown had started. And I remember us being like, let's not talk about Corona. Like, let's keep it really positive. Let's not talk about it. And now it's like, I can't imagine having a conversation where it doesn't come up because it 
I don't know. It's just like in some form it's ever present because even if you're not talking about the pandemic itself, you're talking about going back to school, which is a product of the state of our country right now. Like it's worked its way into everything, certainly into our individual running and the running community. And so it's, you know, I don't know. I don't really have a point. I'm just like in a weird mood today. I'm going to, I'm going to do better. I'm going to just like flip my switch right now, snap my little fingers. I'm good. I that shook was it your off. fingers? That sounded like one of those like pens, like click, click, click. Oh, thank you. That was me snapping. That was fast. Um, wow, wow, wow. Thank you. All right. So it, <laughs> with that being the case, let's dive in. You yeah, know, let's do how, it. How's, how's the running going? Running is good. See, look, I'm positive. Um, wow, look at you. P- so just pivoting, the, pivoting like I, a pro. I'm very good at that, I will say. Um, but seriously, running is so good right now. Uh, I Same as I always have been. I'm running what I can, when I can, whatever I feel like. So if I feel like going out for five miles, which is what I did right before this call, I do five miles. If I feel like um, a run-walk situation, I do that on Fridays and Sundays. I give myself permission to walk any uphill that I come across, which is just like a fun little treat. Uh, But the reason it's so good is my Crohn's disease has, it seems, turned a corner. Um... I was pretty sick for, it kind of started in April. By May, I was definitely sick. June and July, full Crohn's flare. And then about two weeks ago, it's so weird. It it didn't progressively get better. It was like I woke up one day and was able to go for a run and not make bathroom stops. And it was like, whoa, what just happened? And uh, that is often how it happens for me. So hoping that this sticks because the last two weeks of running have been really nice. And it's just like, it's less stressful to be able to leave the house and go for a run and not constantly. I mean, I'll always think about where's the bathroom, where are the woods, where's, you know, whatever I might need. But like, it's just been better. And so I can enjoy running more. And that's just, the best feeling. And, and I think that, you know, you've dealt with a lot of injury before or recently you dealt with some injury. So, you know, like to have that run where you're not just constantly thinking about, am I injured? Am I injured? Does it hurt? Was that a twinge? Like eventually that goes away and you just get to enjoy running and feeling good. And so I think that's almost where I'm at right now. Like it's not perfect. I still am stopping at some times, but, um, yeah, I'm running. I'm feeling good. And that's uh, that's my running. And I'm happy about that update. That is wonderful. I know we talked a lot about this last episode, too. Is there anything that you have like done differently or medication-wise that works better for you? Or is it just kind of like the winds of change? You just can't predict what's going to happen? I don't know. Um, So a couple of things. I mean, I'm on a long-term medication, which is... Uh, a shot that I give myself every four weeks. I also started about two months ago, I started on a mild steroid to help with the flare. And so maybe that is finally kicking in. I also cut dairy out of my diet, um, which tends to help. I finally got to the point where I was like, why am I not taking action beyond medicine? And I always do that. When I flare, I'm like, medicine, medicine, medicine. And I'm like, why am I not changing my lifestyle? Like, you know better, Allison. And so I cut out dairy. That always helps at least a little bit. I don't know that it helps me get out of a flare, but it certainly on the day-to-day helps. So who knows? Um, 
So yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not less stressed. We, I always say that stress brings the flares on and the stress hasn't gone anywhere. So maybe it's just the combination of more medicine, less ice cream. And that's my, my magic potion. Oh, that's so poor ice cream. <laughs> poor ice cream. Don't worry. The rest of my family is consuming plenty on my behalf. <laughs> <laughs> that's how the filler family rolls. <laughs> oh, good for you guys. Well, um, well, first of all, that's awesome. I, I'm so happy to hear it. Uh, it sounds like you're not only, you know, things are going well with, you know, with, uh, you know, with your body, but it's cool how you're altering, how you're approaching your workouts and like, Hey, I, on certain days I do this and things like that. I know oftentimes, you know, just, just all of us, you know, we can get into certain patterns and, you know, schedules and patterns can be really nice and a great way to stay on, a routine or, or, or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, sometimes they can kind of, uh, you know, kind of put a governor on the excitement uh, we can feel for something and kind of limit kind of the creativity that we have. So that's kind of cool how you're able to kind of do both. Yeah. And highly recommend treating yourself to walking the uphills, like pick a day and or pick a day or pick a dew point, right? Like if the dew point is a certain um, percentage or a certain number, say like, Today, I will walk all the uphills, and it's so fun. Well, especially where you're living right now. Well, you know, yeah. New Hampshire isn't known for its flat ground. No, there's no flat. And I don't know if I told you this before. So my parents' house, which for anyone unfamiliar is is where I live now, it's at, it is apparently or allegedly, it is the highest point in the town of Kentucky, New Hampshire, which means that the first mile of my run is so fun. Because in any direction, I'm running downhill. And the last mile of my run is always going to be the slowest because I have to run back up to the house. And it's not like a crazy, it's not some big, huge, steep hill. Uh, But it is like a little discouraging knowing that every time I start a run, it's going to end on an uphill. But I will say that when we first got here back in March, I... By default, I was walking a lot of those hills because I just hadn't been running a lot. And I I was strong from Orange Theory, but that's different when it comes to running and running hills. And I would just walk them because I didn't feel fit enough yet. And now I run up those hills most days and it's fine. And so, you know, there's something to be said for consistent running and getting fitter. So that's good. Tell me about your running. Well, I'm running, baby. It's happening. I'm running. I did my second continuous run uh, of the of the comeback per se, um, or so to speak, uh, today. So I did, you know, uh, two days ago, did 25 minutes straight. Today, did 25 minutes straight. Actually, just finished up about half an hour ago. Um, and yeah, it's really exciting. You know, kind of coming off these years, <laughs> over a year, um, basically almost exactly a year of injuries and. We talked about it on the pod a couple times here, um, but now things are working out well. Been cleared to run over the last month or so. I think in the last episode, I basically been just cleared, um, and then he was doing a lot of walk running and just going, you know, slowly getting back into it, making sure that everything was where it was supposed to be and working and all that. Um, now twenty, you know, running twenty five minutes continuously past two days. That's the plan for the next two weeks. So basically, running four to five days a week no three days in a row and doing each one for 25 minutes. Uh, so that's the, that's the plan right now. It's working. I'm really excited about it. When I run in the heat of the day, 25 minutes feels like a long time when I'm able to, <laughs> when I'm doing it in the, in the morning, like, you know, super, you know, when I'm running at 5 a.m., it doesn't feel all that long just from, from a weather perspective, but my body feels good and I'm excited about it. And 
it just feels good to be able to go out and do it. And, you know, we say that all the time, um, but I just, you know, it's been a while for me and I'm more so than anything when I'm on these runs, you know, you try to stay in the moment and enjoy it, you know, especially if you haven't been able to do it consistently for a while, but it's so nice for me, I get excited because I just think like, all right, if I keep doing this, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Which I probably shouldn't live in that kind of that whole forwarding mentality, but at least at the beginning, it's fun to do it. Yay. I love that. I have a question for you. Why do they say, don't call it a comeback? I feel like that's a sports thing. So you can probably educate me, but why is that the phrase? Don't call it a comeback. Well, that comes from LL Cool J. So oh. LL Cool J had that song, don't call Shoot. it a comeback. Yeah, so that was twenty years ago. So because he, you know, was one of the, was one of like the, the key figures very early in the rap game. So he was very young when he got in uh, the hip hop scene. Um, so that was early, early to mid eighties. He came in. He was very, very young, and he was in that that realm. And then, like so many people, like you know, it's just like professional sports. It's hard to be really good for 20 years. So, or 20 consecutive years. So, you know, he had a high point and then he kind of fell off, which was, you know, in the music game specifically, you know, you usually get two or three albums out of somebody and then, you know, then there's another person's turn. Not everybody is, you know, the Rolling Stones or whatever. So he had that and then he did then he made a comeback. And it was ironically enough, was like that was the single of the of his, you know, sort of you know, comeback album, you know, quote unquote. And he's kind of been on the scene ever since, uh, not just from a hip hop perspective, but, you know, from a uh, from a, um, you know, just entertainment perspective, because he's probably more of an actor now than anything. Um, but that was kind of where it came from. And I think that was where it stuck in just the popular lexicon. OK, I love that you just knew all of that off the top of your head. You just sounded like a Wikipedia page. You knew that all immediately, uh, which is amazing. But like. Why don't call it a comeback? Like, what's wrong with a comeback? I think a comeback is awesome. I guess the whole point was is that it, the feeling is you shouldn't call it a comeback. I guess that because that's the next line of the song. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. Oh, meaning, okay. <laughs> meaning, I'm not coming back. You were just sleeping on me. Got it. I sound super smart right now. Very intelligent. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I am excited for your comeback. I know you've been here all along. But excited. Not, not so much. No, for me, the term absolutely applies. <laughs> me too. Me too. Well, that's why I like it because I'm like, wait, no, I think comebacks are something that should absolutely be celebrated. I love a comeback. So I never understood the phrase. I guess I could have Googled it since it is something I've legitimately wondered about for like 10 years. But I why Google it when I have the Matt Chittam Wikipedia page right in front of me? If you're looking for 80s and 90s hip hop and or basketball information, just come to me. I got you. I got you covered. And if I don't have it, my best friend Jeff certainly does because he's probably even more in tune with all this stuff than I am. I love it. Well, thank you for the education and and yay for being running again. That's so great. And, you know, it's good to see you out there. Hopefully at some point there will be races again and we can both put our fitness to the test. But until then, it's nice to uh, nice to know that you're out running and and following the plan, because I know a lot of people, myself included, who've had setbacks are it's tempting to celebrate being back and do what ends up being too much too soon. So look at you stick into the plan. Well done. I'm trying. Thank you very much. All right. So what are you loving these days? Okay. 
I have three things on my list. One is obviously Folklore by Taylor Swift. I went sort of non-running related on this first one, but it's all I can think about because I can't stop listening to it. It's, of course, it's Taylor Swift's new album. I love it so much. I know people are kind of torn on it. I love it. I can't stop reading all the stories behind all the songs and what they really mean. And I'm now basically an expert historian and everything about Rebecca Harkness and Taylor Swift's Rhode Island home on Watch Hill. Anyway, um, have you listened to it? No. Oh, great. Cool. Well, <laughs> highly recommend. Um, it's not running music, but I listen, meaning like it's not, you know, upbeat and peppy, but I listen to it on my runs and it's very emotional and it just kind of suits my mood. I think that she knew like how everyone's feeling in quarantine at this point, a little fatigued, maybe kind of sad, a little down. And she gave us the soundtrack for this pandemic right now. So I'm loving that. Uh, Did you see the video of, this is my next one, Valerie Allman's discus world record? Yes. Holy crap. Okay. So admittedly, like I love running and I can say I love track and field, but I am way more on the track side than the field side. Like if it's on, yes, I like watching like the pole vault is so badass, so cool. All of them are, but I'm not well versed in it, right? Like I don't know the rules. I don't know many of the athletes, but I cannot stop watching this video of Valerie Allman. She threw a discus world record. 10-foot PR, which is huge, and broke the American record by three feet. She's an athlete for Wazelle. And I I probably watched this video. I mean, the discus, it's like pirouetting. It is so beautiful, and it looks like an art. Look at you combining your two favorite sports. (laughs) It's one of my skills, one of my skills. Uh, But, I mean, she's so strong and makes it look so... I don't want to say effortless, but almost graceful. And it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to watch. So I highly recommend everyone go watch it. I can't really talk about the discus because I don't know a lot about the discus, but I could watch her do that all day. And the other thing I'm loving right now is updates from Shalene Flanagan about her baby Jack, because I'm not someone who's obsessed with other babies. I love my own, obviously. And I love my friend's babies, but rarely am I like, someone who gets excited about a celebrity's baby, and I'm putting Shalane in the celebrity category. But Jack is so cute, and I get really excited when she posts videos and photos. And it's just one of those sweet things that I need in my life right now. Just cute, cute little babies on Instagram. So Shalane, since you're obviously listening, please keep the content coming. That's my list. Nothing too deep in there. I think I think rumor is that Shalene has heard half of the ramblings on the run episodes, the half that have been on your feed. Um, <laughs> but I but going back to the discus throw, it was yes. the amazing thing to me was was her reaction to the throw, right? Like she does kind of like this little giggle, she her hands. half clap, yeah, and like oh that almost like oh wasn't that cute, yeah, type thing. Again, I'm not this. That can almost sound pejorative. What I said in relation to the into the um you know, the excellence she put out, you have to watch the video no, to see what I'm saying. It, yes. Because like exactly. her reaction is like the antithesis of the people who are watching. They like explode yep. with noise. Cause they're like, I, you know, cause they're all, they all know the sport. Well, I'm sure as soon as out of her hand, they all knew what had just happened. Yep. You know what I mean? Cause they're so well versed in what was going on. Her reaction was like, as if, I don't even know, like she threw an ice cube into the sink 
you know, like and, and without, without breaking. Yeah. Like it was such a minimal reaction to an unbelievable event. It was like, it was like, I don't, know if, I don't know how you felt about it. I'm trying to put into words, but for me, it was so unique. Like that was the part that I kept watching over and over again. Like, yeah, I can't. Like the reaction was like amazing because it was almost like, all right, like what's up next for this woman? Because she obviously like is in complete control of herself and has like. I'm assuming like much higher horizons. Like she didn't lose her mind and she knew what she had done. Yeah, it was. And I know like, I mean this word in the most complimentary way possible. It was so cute. Like she does this insane throw and then like jumps a little bit and claps her hands and smiles. And I was like, wait, I love you. But also, holy crap, you're amazing. Uh, So yeah, I'm, of course, I'm like dying to learn more about her. And that was super cool to watch. I love that you saw it too. Yeah, I mean, it was everywhere and, and rightfully so. And that, that's the thing with those, with the throwing sports, it's just hard to capture on video the, the, the pure power that's involved in those sports. Uh, I think, um, you know, from a field perspective, I think the one that plays best on video and television is the pole vault. For sure. Um, the jumps are hard because you just don't get a sense for exactly how far they're going for the same right. reason that the throws are. You just, you just don't really see it. It's almost like for the same reason. And, you know, for all the same reasons that, like, tennis, when you watch it on TV, doesn't seem superhuman. It's like, oh, how come he put it over there? How come she didn't? Why'd she yeah. do that? That didn't seem like Why'd that you hard. Miss it? But then you, when you go to a real match, you're like, good God, these people are so fast and powerful. And the ball is just exploding. And it's just one of those things where you're never going to be able to fully capture those kinds of sports uh, through a video camera in terms of being able to get a really good sense of the athleticism involved. But I thought that camera angle at least did a good job um, of detailing you know, the athleticism needed in the circle. Yeah, great video. All right, what's on your list? What are you loving right now? I'll tell you the thing that I love the most over the past month, um, trying to put a, trying to take a happy spin on a topic that can easily kind of not be as happy was the Yogi Triathlete podcast with Tommy Rivers Puzzi. Mm. I thought... This was, you know, everyone who's listened to this knows, or, you know, if they don't know, um, then they will know right now, I guess, uh, that, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's fighting, um, a very serious and very aggressive lymphoma, um, cancer that's affected his lungs. And he's now in a, uh, Scottsdale hospital. Um, and, you know, he's fighting for his life, frankly. Um, so he's someone who I think anyone who's uh, listening to this show has probably seen an image of him somewhere, probably mostly on Instagram. You know, he's one of those people who, um, you know, he's like the perfect body. He's this acclaimed athlete. He seems so nice. All of his friends speak nicely of him. You're like, wow, like, is is that really like, how could all of this be true? You know what I mean? It's like one of those things where you're like, how this guy seems like the perfect human being. Then you listen to him on this podcast. You're like, holy cow. And that didn't even, that wasn't even half of it. Like this guy's absolutely incredible. The thoughtfulness, the sensitivity, the just the the way that he approaches so many aspects of his life were amazing to me because, and you know this, oftentimes when you talk to an elite athlete, a professional athlete, there's this expectation that they're going to be able to communicate what it feels like to be at an elite level or to talk about their sport with the same amount of excellence that they are at doing that sport, which is completely unfair. Right. Those are two very separate things. Communicating what you're doing and doing something are, you know, they're not comparable. And there's this expectation that 
people who are excelling in a field can also communicate at, or can also can excel at communicating about their excellence. Whereas with Tommy, it was like as good as he is as an athlete, he was almost better at communicating it than he was at doing it, which is insane. And I thought this podcast was absolutely wonderful. The the host, they have two hosts, but um, the female host did kind of the, the majority of the the questioning and interaction with Tommy. And she was absolutely fantastic um, in terms of letting him talk and follow up questions and so on and so forth. And really kind of getting to the heart of who he was. This was for me a very enlightening um, episode. And while I've read a lot about him, I think Peter Romka has done a really good job of archiving things on Instagram and specifically even more so on, uh, it's on Twitter, uh, different things about his friend, Tommy, uh, that everyone should be consuming. I thought this show did such a masterful job of it. And for me, it you know, kind of even brought him more close to home and, and it simultaneously made him more real and at the same time more extraordinary because of just his, just the, just who he is. It's, it's hard for me to even put into words exactly how to classify him. The, the phrase I was throwing around with Peter when we were talking earlier this week um, was kind of talking about him as like a warrior monk, so to speak. Uh, that's not the best phrase, but I feel like it's in the, it's in this vicinity of, uh, of, of what, is, what he is representing and what he's currently doing. Yeah, for sure. And there is, of course, a GoFundMe. Everyone can follow Run With Rivs on Instagram. They are raising money. He has a wife and three daughters. And it, I mean, I can't help but think, and I know a lot of people have mentioned this too, that like, what kind of country do we live in where we have to fundraise for our medical bills when we are fighting for our lives? But that is what uh, has been set up for Tommy's family, which is so important. And so uh, run with ribs. You can raise money. You can pledge to it's kind of cool. I mean, you can basically do whatever you want. The goal is to just be active with him in mind. And so like I did a 10.2 mile run on Saturday as part of it. And um, yeah, it's so sad, but it's also, um, and obviously we're hoping for a positive outcome here, but one thing that I know I've been thinking about a lot is that, and especially over the past couple months, as we've seen a lot of people have, um, scary, scary times with health things, whether it's COVID or, or lymphoma or otherwise, I've actually had two friends pass away during this time. And, it's an important reminder of what do you want your legacy to be? And hearing all the things that so many people are saying about Tommy, all the things that you just said, they're all such good things. And so much of it comes back to who people are as humans, right? It's not, oh, they built an X dollar company or, oh, they, I don't know. It's just, it, it's made me think a lot about who do I really want to be as a human and what do we want our legacies to be? Because we talk about, when we talk about Tommy, we talk about his kindness and tenacity, but everyone has been sharing stories of his kindness. And I love that. And it's, it's such a reminder that when it comes, when we get to a point where we can't necessarily control our own narrative, right? The Hamilton line, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. What do we want people to say about us and how do we want to be remembered? And I, I mean, it makes me think about how I act every day for sure. Yeah. And I, I just recorded a podcast and basically put it out within hours of recording it on Friday. 
uh, with Jacob Puzzi, Tommy's brother, and then Ben Rosario talking about Run With Rivs, you know, the genesis of that movement that will run from August 1st to August 9th. You can get more information about it. Um, and then also you just want to learn more about Tommy. There's a good spot too, because Jacob kind of dives into some some uh, some stories about when they were younger and, and how that it gets it can basically extrapolated forward to them as adults. Um, and Jacob's again, just like Tommy. Everything I just said about Tommy, you can say the same thing about Jacob. You know, they are, you know, they are, you know, two of a kind in that regard. Um, so again, I want to keep want to keep things positive because for me, that was a positive experience you know, learning more about him. Um, and it was very aspirational. You know, oftentimes we have professional athletes who we aspire to be like in an athletic sense. Uh, but it is really interesting and fun and exciting when you find a professional athlete that you aspire to be in just about every aspect of your life. Yeah, I love that. All right. So what are you excited about? <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. I have a blank document in front of me where the answer to this question should be because I have spent the past week thinking like, okay, what am I excited about? I need to come up with something because Matt and I are going to talk about this. What am I excited about? And I'm going to try to say this in like something of a profound way, which is that I'm not excited about anything, but I don't mean that in like a negative doomsday-ish way. I mean it in a way that is a lot has changed in my life in the last month, in the last two weeks. And I don't know what lies ahead. And that is uncomfortable for me. I'm someone who thrives on plans and certainty and schedules and all those things that don't sound fun for a lot of people, but like are awesome for me. Like I love a to-do list on graph paper. Very thrilling. So I don't have anything like we're not my family. I'm not yet comfortable traveling. I'm not yet comfortable seeing people who aren't in our immediate family. Um, I, I don't know where I'll be living in six months or in a year. Like I don't, I don't have any races. None of us have races, but I don't have any like virtual races or I just, I don't have anything that I am excited about in my own life right now, which doesn't mean that I'm doom and gloom all the time. Like, I'm okay. But I just sort of did want to share that in case anyone else out there is feeling the same way. Like, a lot of people right now, it feels like everyone's on summer vacation and everyone's off doing things, some of which I think are great and responsible and others of which I am just not super a fan of, but uh, trying not to be too judgy on that front because to each their own right. But I I don't know. I have to imagine that at least one other person listening is feeling like I'm not excited about anything right now. And earlier this summer, I was feeling that way. And so I rented a pontoon boat for the day and we went out just our family and we spent the day out on a lake on a pontoon boat. We saw no other people. <laughs> We were out on the water. It was an awesome day. And it was something I got to look forward to for like two weeks leading up to it. So I'm at the point where I feel like I need to do something like that again, just to like have something to be excited about. Because right now, I I just don't. And I think that's okay. And maybe I'm saying that to make myself feel better. But that's just me being very honest with you that um, I think for the first time, 
my uh, my answer is kind of blank for that. I hear that. You know, I think that's kind of how I felt last last time. I uh, I didn't come out and say that. I think what you're saying is much more impactful. I can't remember what I said. I think I just like made up something. Like I'm really excited <laughs> about this. Not that I wasn't, but I pro- excited was probably too strong mm-hmm. of a word. Yep. You know what I mean? I think I was just like, all right, I got to find something, uh, and I might have you know added a little sauce to my excitement <laughs> in terms of, of how I actually felt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, I appreciate you saying that because that, that is real, and I think that you know I know I've certainly had those moments, and I can imagine so many other people have as well. Yeah. And I'm just like creatively, I feel like I'm in a bit of a rut right now. I'm not feeling, I'm feeling kind of uninspired, unmotivated. So I'm just in a rut and I know it'll pass because it always does. But yeah, I wanted to put that out there in case other people are feeling the same way and feel like they have to put a little sauce on it for their friends. Like when, you know, your friends say, Hey, how are you doing? And we all tend to say, I'm fine. How are you? But like, and I am fine, but you know, normalize not being fine. That's where, that's, that's something I feel passionate about. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and then you're also, you've been doing this long enough to know that like, all right, this is the part of the process where I don't have any ideas, but yep. you know, I know that the next part of the process is me getting excited about something, you know, yeah. and it's not like your first time through that cycle. Uh, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about it in big magic, you know, kind of becoming familiar with that cycle. And when you're a pro, understanding that you don't have to live and die with those, 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 uh, those elements and just understanding kind of like, Oh, if I just put a name to this, this is the part where I do X, Y, Z. Then it just kind of puts the whole thing into perspective. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny. I do have ideas. I just, they're just like sitting on paper right now. And I know that eventually I'll get super motivated and execute on them. And I, I mean, I say this, I have a new series launching this week. I'm bringing back Allie and the experts week. And I am excited about that. Actually, that maybe that just should have been I my answer. You asked me to come on to talk about 80s hip hop. I love that you asked me to do that. <laughs> and I cannot thank you enough. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, who knows? We still have like 25 more minutes of this conversation. I'll probably have more <laughs> questions like, what are ball sports? What and like all the sports references that I try to understand when I talk to you. But um, tell me what you're excited about, because you probably have something. I do have something. And at the risk of being completely self-promotionally um, driven, I'm really excited about something I'm launching. I'm launching it tomorrow, in fact. So if someone's listening to this pod, they might have already seen what I'm about to say. Um, I'm launching a year-long journey that is uh, something I'm just so darn excited about. So as you just heard earlier in the show about how I'm doing with running, that's kind of the first step in the process was being cleared and getting it rolling. So I just had the worst athletic year of my life. Easy, not even close. <laughs> I had I had only a couple races. I was not in race shape for any of them. The vast majority of the year I spent injured uh, at different stages of injury with different injuries. I gained 25 pounds, which was really fun and exciting. Um, and it just wasn't great. So I am determined that while last year was the worst athletic year of my life, this coming year is going to be the best athletic year of my life. And in fact, I put a title to it. So it's going to be called Mastering 40. I am going to be, the goal is next summer to break 40 in the 10K, something I've never done before. I'm going to be chronicling the whole thing. I'm going to be putting out, uh, basically working with three experts, my coach, James McCurdy, my registered dietitian, Starla Garcia, and a sports psychologist and therapist, Adrian Langlier. 
and be um, talking with them consistently each month, putting out a podcast once every three weeks with segments devoted to each of those conversations and putting out two blog posts a week, uh, again, detailing how things are going. This is going to be similar to what Matt Fitzgerald did when he chronicled his time with Naz Elite when he was trying to run the his fastest ever marathon at the Chicago Marathon. That kind of worked off that premise. And I'm just so darn excited about it. So it's called Mastering 40 for a couple reasons. Uh, the idea is I'm trying to break 40 in the 10K. Also, I'll be turning 40 in January. So I'll officially be a master's runner when I attempt to do it. So that's kind of the play on words with the title. And it's something that I'm going to be putting out the first podcast for. So we're recording this Monday morning-ish. I'm putting out the podcast tonight. It'll be available on Tuesday. Um, my first conversation, so my first coach's conversation and my first call with Adrian, who's my sports psychologist and therapist. And we really kind of, we really dive in, man. We don't hold anything back uh, on that regard. And then in the next episode, it'll be with Starla. Um, my first conversation with her, you've had her on the show. She's wonderful. Yes, I love her. It was basically two hours long of us going over every single food in the known universe. Not great podcast material. So we're not putting that one out, but we are going to, I'm actually, I'm recording a conversation with her in two hours. So that will probably be the conversation that goes out during the next episode. Um, but it's really exciting for me. I'm excited to have an athletic journey. I'm excited to have the accountability of making it public and we'll see how it goes. Wait, so what is the, so the culmination, like when... When's the race? When's the 10K? So that's kind of to be determined. I'm not at the spot now. It's going to be roughly a year. Okay. So next August-ish, right? So depending on what 10Ks are available, um, how far I'm willing to travel. I mean, who knows what the race calendar is going to look like, right? right? I mean, this could be a time trial for all I know. (laughs) At the same time, even if everything's fine in terms of being able to race, just the, the race organizers are so are struggling so much right now that the race calendar might just look so different than mm-hmm. past years. So we can't even look like, all right, well, what was the race calendar like in 2019? Let's just assume it's the same in 2021. I think even that's probably a step too far. I mean, if I owned a race company, I'd be putting on like a race every day to try, try to recoup some of my money. So who's, who knows <laughs> exactly what's going to happen. Um, and then also there might be bigger races that I might want to enter. So we'll see what happens, but it's going to be roughly a year long journey um, I don't have the exact race in mind, but I do know it's going to be a 10K and I do know it's going to be roughly next, you know, mid to late summer. That's so exciting. Uh, what if you do it sooner? What if you are like, I'm going to do a 10K tune up and you do it? Well, then the name won't change, but maybe <laughs> the goal changes. <laughs> um, we'll see. It would be a huge, if I got to that point, that would mean things were really, really rolling because you know, last September, I did a 5K, uh, which was like technically my last really healthy race. And I ran at roughly 7.18 pace or so for that 5K, which isn't awful. Um, but, you know, it was basically a minute per mile slower than I had the previous year. So I wasn't you know killing it in terms of training. You know, things got progressively worse over the over the next year. So, you know, I'm not I'm not anywhere near that shape. But let me put it this way. Um what I would need to do for the 10K is run a minute per mile faster than I did for that 5K. Wait, so what is it? What is the um, the pace for sub 40 10K? 6.13 pace. Whoa. Okay. You got this. So yeah, it's a stretch goal. And it's a stretch goal <laughs> for a reason. That. So it's not going to be like, oh, if I stay healthy, I'll knock it out easy. Because that wouldn't be any fun. There'd be no, you know, there'd be, there'd, there'd be no reason to document it, I guess. 
So that the whole idea is trying to do something big. Yay. That's exciting. Let's dive into the questions because we had a bunch of people come up with really fun and uh, unique questions and answers for us. I've been kind of leading the charge here, you know, because it's we're on my show today. So um, and because I've been slacking. <laughs> no, 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 no. We, we always say like whoever's hosting the show kind of leads it. But let me let me give the mic to you now. I'll let you pick. What we're going to do is we're each going to ask. We each picked three of the questions that were submitted, but we didn't tell each other which questions that we picked. So I will let you go first and pick the first question you can ask me, and then you're also going to answer it yourself. If you could talk to one non-running or fitness person for your podcast, who would it be? Malcolm Gladwell, period. Wait, but he's a runner. That was my problem with this is that he's not, (laughs) he runs, but no one would be like- If you run, you're a runner. Matthew Chittum, he's a runner. So, so where is the line? Do I have to say the person has never run before in order to fulfill this requirement? That's a good question. Okay, so like I consider Malcolm Gladwell a runner, but like right. Reese he is a runner. goes for runs, but isn't best known as a runner. Maybe that's how we take this one. Okay, all right. And I got another one for you then, Angela Duckworth. Okay, so go on. So technically, she. Also, like Malcolm Gladwell, is a runner. She wasn't at his level. Like he was one of the best Canadian milers at some point in time. Um, she like does like a three to five mile loop every day, which is cool. But the author of Grit, she's won the MacArthur Genius Grant. Uh, she is a fascinating person. She has a new podcast out with Stephen Levitt. I would. She is fascinating. She was just on um, Dax Shepard's podcast last week. Uh, she is not only brilliant and insightful in terms of grit and reaching goals and so on and so forth. But she is so smart in so many ways, also so personable. I feel like she would be a home run guest. Great answer. Love that. How about you? Um, I mean, mine is like the most common answer. I would choose Michelle Obama. And I listened, she just launched a podcast last week. Her first guest was, um, I don't, his name's like Barack so maybe you've heard of him. Is that his first, first name yeah. or last name? That's his first name. His last oh, okay. name is Obama. They have, they have the same last name. Uh, she's just mailing it in. The first episode, just, I know. You couldn't, even, you couldn't even lock down a guest that didn't live in your house? Come on, Michelle. <laughs> How much are they paying um, you? Yeah, really. Spotify exclusive and everything. Uh, but, you know, she's just um, – she is relentlessly optimistic, but she's also very – she's a she keeps it real. And I just – I love her, and I, I miss having her as one of the leaders in our country. She – I like her a lot. Um, so that would be my answer. I thought about trying to come up with something that was like, you know – more like unexpected, but screw it. You know, I'm excited about nothing and I want to talk to Michelle Obama. Allie on the run. Welcome. There you go. There you go. You can be like, you know what, Michelle? I'll do you a favor. I'll even come on your show. Yeah. We'll do a home and home. Exactly. We'll do a podcast swap. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> then she'll definitely say yes. Um, exactly. That's a good one. All right. Uh, and she was on Conan O'Brien's show last year and she was really good. Yeah, she's yeah. awesome. She's she was good. It was funny because she was actually better than Conan. Like he was like too deferential, which is understandable. Well, but, like, it's funny you say that. When I was listening to her show, and I I really like Barack Obama, and I love listening to him speak, but I thought she was so much better than him, and he kind of like interrupted her a couple times, and I was annoyed. 
And I really like both of them and I like their relationship. Um, but I enjoyed hearing from her more than I enjoyed hearing from him. And he was technically the guest. So I thought I would want, you know, it was good. I'm excited for more from her. Right. No, that's a good one. All right. I'm going to go uh, a little bit easier, not easier, but yes. other end of the spectrum. All right. We had, a, we had a lot of, we had a lot of questions about food types, food. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite fill in the blank? We had a lot of these. Wasn't sure which one to choose. So I went with my gut instinct. Maybe it's because I was hungry and I have a, you know, a dedicated and relentless sugar tooth. But what is your favorite candy bar? Oh, well, I'm not a big candy bar person, but I'm a big peanut M&Ms person. So do I have to pick up? If I had to pick a bar, I would do Snickers. Okay. I like a Snickers bar, but I'm definitely more of a like little bite sized candy. So like I love peanut M&Ms. I like Starburst, actually. I really love red and pink Starburst. But um, I mean, anything chocolate is a home run with me. Did you hear that? I said home run. It was a sports reference. I'm so proud of you. I am so I'm sporty. so proud of you. It's great. Uh <laughs> uh, what is your favorite candy bar? So for a long time, it was a whatchamacallit. <laughs> I loved those. So they have I've like never even had that. What? Oh, it's so good. All right. So it's 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 like it's wider but thinner. And then what it has is it's, it's wait, chocolate covered. Wait. How can it be wider and thinner? So like if you're so I guess it's height. Oh, it's so not high. Got it. Right. Got so, it. um, okay. and it, so it has like a, it's like a rice crispy bottom and then it has a really, really thin level of caramel. So not like a Snickers level, um, or Milky Way level, like really, really thin and then chocolate covered on top. So I thought that worked. I love caramel. So that always gets me. And I like the crispiness feel. So for me, it was kind of like a marriage of like a caramello and a Nestle crunch bar. Oh my God. I used to be obsessed with caramellos because we used to have to sell candy bars to raise money for our dance competitions. And I would secretly eat all the caramellos that I was supposed to sell. And then I would say, I didn't get any caramellos. And they'd be like, well, you did, you signed them out, but um, I would eat them all. <laughs> Forgot oh, about good. caramellos. They break into little squares. Oh my God. So good. I love, yeah. So that that's, that's my go-to. Um, you know, I, I can certainly have more than just, more than just that. I mean, I could eat the whole, I'll eat the whole candy bar rack if you let yeah, me. Yeah. Oh, uh, but if I had to choose. Aisle. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. Right. It's the checkout. Aisle. That's why like the new, like, um, you know, check out your individual stuff is like for me a better option because the candy section just really isn't there. Yeah. Because you just go right in just boom, 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 done. If I have to stand there and just look at the candy. I mean, for me, it's basically like the adult marshmallow test. What is that? Oh, you don't know about the marshmallow test? All right. So oh, is that where you put them in your mouth as many as you can? That is a much better test and <laughs> one that we need to get video of you trying. This is what you can get excited about for August is trying this and maybe, you know, give it a couple tries, see what you can build up to. But I'm thinking more of the test that psychologists have done on five-year-olds and six-year-olds uh, where, where you give them the... They put the yeah. marshmallow on the table... And you say, I'm going to be back in five minutes. Um, you can eat the marshmallow if you want. But if you don't, then we'll give you, you know, three cookies or whatever. Um, yeah. And then they, they videotape them and you watch the kids squirming and try to figure out ways to, you know, to not eat it. They just, um, that just like went viral on Instagram. People were doing it with their kids, giving them like a bowl of candy and filming them right. and posting it on the internet. I think Ky like Kylie Jenner did it. So everyone did it. 
Well, yeah, and the idea was that, like, you know, they did this with a bunch of kids, like, 30 years ago, and then they basically tracked their personal and professional growth. What? And they're like, see, if someone was disciplined enough at that age to resist the marshmallow, then it was an indicator for future professional success. Oh, my and God. And it was like, all right. So then, like, all of these people started marshmallow testing their kids and, like, trying to, like, give them ways to, like, pass the test. Again, like, you know, the whole idea is like, well, if you're doing that, then that kind of negates the whole point. And, like, you know, how scientifically robust was this study? Anyway, it does make for an interesting thing. And if nothing else, really funny videos. Wow. Okay. I'll, maybe I'll try it. Well, you should try it with your daughter. See how she does. Mm-mm. I don't know. I would feel bad. You should do it after you show her how many marshmallows you can stick in her mouth, <laughs> in your mouth, and then see if that has any impact positively or negatively on her desire to have more marshmallows. But I don't like marshmallows. The only marshmallows I like are burnt ones for s'mores. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the s'more marshmallows always far exceeds the, the plain exceeds. plain Jane marshmallow. Yes. Um, okay. What questions did I pick? I picked six. You told me to pick three, but I picked six because, you know, I like to overachieve. What was your favorite interview from this past month? Hmm. That's funny. I did not. I knew you picked six. I did not think that you picked that one. I was trying to guess like which one you would choose. I was trying to guess which ones you were going to choose. Um, all right. So the, the obvious one for me would be the one with, you know, Jacob Puzzi, um, which was also with Ben Rosario, but the, you know, and Ben, Ben brought up, but he was more like just talking about logistics with run with Riz and Jacob talked about his brother. That was really good. I already explained why. So I'm not going to dive into that again. I'll say the other one was with Jay Hewitt. And this is tough. This is a tough decision. Um, but Jay is someone who um, has undergone, you know, uh, two different um, head operations to remove brain cancer. And this time he's training for an Ironman, his first Ironman triathlon, while going through, um, you know, treatment for uh, brain cancer. Uh, this is brain, this brain cancer is not going away. Uh, so he's living with it. And as he puts it on the podcast, um, you know, it's terminal. So, you know, while they can take the cancer out, it will regrow. And this is just something that him and his family are having to deal with. So his wife and, and his young daughter, um, this guy talk about positivity and energy and, you know, in, in the face of everything that would be so easy to be negative about. Um, this guy was the real deal. A lot of people loved that show. I'd, a lot of people mentioned to me that there was that was their favorite episode that I'd ever done um, on the podcast because, you know, as you know, like these podcasts are about the, the about our guest, and the um, this is a great example of you know a lot of people who who like that show didn't know who Jay was before he came on, but like boy, could they not wait to follow him afterwards? And he was just such a ball of energy and so exciting, and yet didn't hold back about talking about hard things and could talk about hard things with an upbeat nature in a way that's really hard to do. And he did it and does it in spades and. Uh, I'm going to have him back on again in the fall as he gets ready for the race, either right before the race or right after the race, depending on if Ironman, when Ironman comes back. Um, but uh, that, that for me was, you know, you know, it's always hard to choose, as you know, because you're about to answer the question yourself. But he's probably the one this month for me. Great answer. Great interview. Um, this one, it's actually ooh, this one's easy for me because I uh, my friend Chris Heisler, who many people know as Run Weston, he for a long time was the global Run Weston concierge, like every runner's dream job. And I've known him for a long time. And he came on the show to talk about his 
journey with alcoholism and getting sober. And it was the first time he had shared that publicly. And it was a huge honor to get to be the one to host that conversation. And uh, I'll just tell people to go listen to it if you haven't, because no words that I say here will give Chris's story any justice. But he is a remarkable human. I am so, so, so just proud of him. And the responses have been really amazing in um, just hearing from people who have gone through hard times themselves or have a family member or a loved one going through something similar. And that's what this is all about, I think, is uh, creating connection in some way. And so uh, that was my easy decision for me. Yeah. You know, your podcast has really hit the right note when, you know, like for me, I saw the reaction to the podcast before I'd even seen the podcast in my podcast player. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I was seeing these these people commenting on Twitter, like, you know, this episode with Allie and Chris. And it was funny because I hadn't gone into Spotify yet to like upload my podcast for the day. I'm like, oh, gosh, like I really need to download this podcast. You know, that almost never happens. Um, you know, it happens occasionally with yours because you usually put them out the night before as opposed to like publishing, like auto publishing them in the morning. But it's, uh, yeah, you did a great job. And I saw so many people, you know, I, you know, I wasn't as if I wasn't like I was searching to see who was commenting on the show. It was coming up for like 48 hours on my feed organically. <laughs> so many people responding to it. Yeah. Good people out there. And, and Chris is the best of the best. All right. So hold on a second. This is my turn. Yeah, it's your turn. I, I'm, I'm losing track of like who's asking the question. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> all right, here we go. All right, I, ha I had it right here. Then of course I lose it because you're you're doing a really good question. Then I want to know. All right, Peter Bromka, chiming in. I want to know the best and worst part of Allie living in her full suburban life. This is so unfair because this doesn't even involve me at all. But <laughs> Peter, I love Peter. You're a fan of Peter. I, I had to include this one. Uh, yeah, a lot of questions who are from people who are like, what's Allie doing about her living situation? Um, and I'll be honest, like some things I just don't feel like talking about. Um, and I'll spare that whole thought process, but to answer Peter's question and, and to very briefly just say that, uh, for the time being my whole family, so me, my husband, our daughter and the dog. We are still at my parents' house in New Hampshire, and we are quarantined here for the foreseeable but not permanent future. So we don't know where we will end up, but this is where we are for now. We have moved our stuff out of New Jersey, out of our apartment there. So uh, there's no going back, at least to that exact apartment. So to answer Peter's question, um, something I love is the running and I didn't think I would say that because I never thought I liked running in New Hampshire because I just hadn't explored enough. But now I have found trails. I mean, this town is ripe with snowmobile trails. So I love running on the trails. I love that my parents have a backyard. <laughs> That's something that I've not had since I was a child. And so, yeah, the backyard, the running, and just... It's kind of a nice change of pace. Like I definitely miss the fast pace-ness. That was not good English, but I miss the speed at which things go back in New Jersey and the New York City area. But I think for the state of the world right now, this is just a nice kind of chill place for us to be. Um, I think the population in this town is like 
3,000. It's pretty small. And I know this town. It's where I grew up. So was that the question? Was the question, what do I like best? Yeah, you nailed it. Yes. You got it. Well, how, well, now, all right, I'm just going to come back with a question for you then, because how do you That's answer? What is, Matt, what does Allie like best about being in New Hampshire? Um, all right, let me give one to you. How about if you were at a bar, what's your order? <laughs> Remember being at bars? Right. Yeah, it's like I'll have a mask with a side of vodka. Um, <laughs> I'll have a COVID test. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I got hydroxychloroquine on the rocks. Do you have that? Um, no. Um, let's see. All right. So I think this is first of all is dependent on the kind of bar situation we're talking about, right? So if this is like a typical August. Third, it's August 3rd right now. So say I was going to a bar tonight on August 3rd. My wife and I are going to go to a bar or someplace. It would probably be some sort of outdoor related thing. So I'm definitely going to want something cold, right? So um, maybe it's like a really good summer beer that I like, or, you know, I don't always go with like a sangria type thing or maybe like a martini, something like that, something cold and chill. Um, I love that for sure. If it's, say it's an indoor bar and it's in the winter months, uh, for me, if I'm going to get a beer, it's going to be a Guinness in that case. Uh, and if it's going to be something a little harder, I'll tell you what I love is um, I love because uh, you know, I might have a lot of family that live on Amelia Island just off of Jacksonville. It's funny because like now there's like a real swanky place to live, but they all bought the property there like 30 years ago when like there was nothing there. And they like built like right on the water and it was like they completely beat the rush. It's hysterical. And um there's this bar down there right in the downtown area where it's like a tequila bar. And I'd never been to one before, just like a flat out tequila bar. And they, that was one of the, my favorite drinks I ever had. So they had this, one of those huge ice cubes, you know, to kind of stick with the ball sports thing we've had on the show. It basically looked like a baseball. You put it in the, the glass, like the smaller glass. It basically fills up the whole thing, but because it's so big, it doesn't melt. So then they put in tequila on top of it. And it was like that really good tequila, not like the, you know, I'm in 10th grade and I bought a bottle of tequila and I'll never have tequila again kind of tequila. And it was really, really good. And for me, that's like, if I can recapture that, I'll do it in a second. Love that. So I gave four uh, different answers, but you know, I think it is kind of dependent on context. I appreciate it. Uh, well, mine is simple. Mine would be probably just a glass of Prosecco, nice and cold or, or, oh my gosh. So there were only like two restaurants near our apartment in New Jersey. And one of them was called House of Q. It's a barbecue restaurant. There's a location in Hoboken and one in Weehawken. And they make a drink called a drunken cowgirl, which is a little embarrassing to order. It's kind of like how in college, my favorite drink legitimately was a sex on the beach because it was so fruity and good. And I would be really embarrassed ordering it um, also because I was probably 19. But the drunken cowgirl is everything I love. It's fruity and delicious and i can it's so good so actually a drunken cowgirl is my number one but since they only have that at one place and it closed i'll go with just a nice good classic glass of prosecco that's good i think of prosecco i think of celebrations i think it's kind of like a you know yeah, like a, another exactly. take on basically this is like champagne that's not from the champagne region basically right yeah exactly yes all right so I think it's your turn, though. Even if you just asked a question, it was basically a rebuttal for my question. Oh. So I think it's your turn now. Okay. Is this the last one or, or do we each have one more? 
Yeah, we each have one more. Okay. I will do um, what's the most significant thing you've learned since the last ramblings on the run recording? Hmm. All right. I would say in regards, I'm just going to do it in terms of the podcast. I guess that's a, just, I guess that, that, that was my assumption when she asked this question was it was probably podcast related, not just life in general. Oh, okay. Um, but I might be wrong. It might not be true. But I get that Carolyn Sue, a uh, friend of both of ours, uh, asked this question. So for me, podcast related, it was the idea of, I finally came to, understand why I was I basically when I would have a professional runner on the show, my podcast list downloads would always go up. And that would make me more inclined to have more professional runners on. Even though it wasn't exactly the point of my show to begin with. I would see that I'm like, oh wow, people really like this. I should do more of that. Right. So that was a perfectly, I think, logical response. In in retrospect, I think what ended up happening was, and this is something that I've learned over time and talking to people and, and really trying to dive into it, was that the reason that the numbers kept going up was because I would basically get people who would follow that professional runner around social media and then, you know, in for content. So say it was Stephanie Bruce. I thought the podcast was great, but at the same time, it was just a bunch of Stephanie Bruce fans who would come in, listen to the show and never listen to the show again. So I was under the false assumption that the listenership was going up because more of my fans were coming out for the show. In retrospect, mm. it was more like tourist season at the Rambling mm. Runner podcast. And then, you know, and then once that that two or three days would go by, then it was like back to the regulars, which I love. And this is who the show is for. And I'd be like, oh, wait, those folks, you know, weren't staying. And I was under the initial impression that those podcasts were doing well because that's what people wanted. In retrospect, that was not necessarily the case. Not that my not that like the fans who listen to every show didn't like those shows, but that wasn't my the correct assumption I should have made, which kind of led my show astray for a little bit. And I feel like now it's kind of back on track and I'm really excited with that. Not again, not that I want professional runners on, but I think that I was taking the wrong lessons from those shows, which I feel like I've finally come to understand over the last couple of weeks. That's really interesting. That's a really interesting point about Taurus season. I love that. Because, yeah, I think we all see it when there's like, you know, I had Shalene Flanagan on recently and I was like, wow, I had no idea that so many people listen to my show. And then it's like, oh, well, they're Shalene people, not Allie people. And some of them will stick around, which is awesome. Uh, but that's a really good, um, really good analogy. Thank you. How about you? Oh, yeah, I guess I need to. Um... Yeah, don't try to hide. This is a tough <laughs> one. Carolyn, Carolyn always brings always, the, I know. The, the thoughtful questions. She always makes me think. And, you know, originally I wasn't thinking about this in podcast terms. I was thinking, like, what have I learned in life? And I was like, well, I could talk about that for hours. But I'll follow your lead. And I will say, I think the most significant thing is, um, and this came with recording that episode with Chris Heisler that I mentioned, probably the biggest thing I've learned is to really respect the silence during conversations. And I talked to this, actually, I had an episode with Mario Fraioli as well. And we specifically talked about this idea that sometimes those are the most powerful moments. And I know that for a long time, I felt like as the host, I had to fill those silences. And that if I sensed that my guest was uncomfortable, I needed to step in and help make them comfortable. 
And I do think that I that it is the role of the host to do that. I don't ever want my guests to feel uncomfortable. But there is something to be said for those moments where you ask a question and they're thinking. And I used to edit them out. I used to edit out long silences. And now I'm like, well, no, because that's that's where change happens, magic happens, uh, development happens. And so I think that's the biggest thing as I've learned to be more comfortable with those silences, to respect them and to not feel the constant pull or pressure to jump in and fill those silences. That's a great point, because even if you know that, it's still hard to do it. And I bring that up not just in the podcasting sense. This is something that has been on my mind for a while because this is one of the, the strong or core tenets of uh, philanthropy and you know being a fundraiser, even in sales. Um, there's a lot of parallels between the two, but being a major gift officer for a lot of years, that was one of the, the hallmarks of making an ask was that you would ask once you got to the point where the ask was ready to be made, you would make the ask and then it was shut up. You are not allowed to talk. Even if that person sits there for 20 minutes thinking about it, you are not allowed to fill the silence. And it's so hard. Even if you know what to do, it can be very difficult. And those seconds can feel like hours. But usually that giving someone that time is um, always going to be to your benefit. Also, in career meetings, when you are asking for a raise or a promotion, Mm -hmm. Same tactic. Say your speak your part and then shut up. <laughs> um, all right, bring us home. Last question's yours. What do you mean? I thought I did my last question, didn't I? No, no. Oh my you gosh. were like, I am so you, out of it. You said that mine was a rebuttal. You said don't call it a comeback. <laughs> you told me to go play ball sports. Something about wow. a home run. So no. Man, the beginning of this podcast was so long ago. I'm, I'm just remembering it so incorrectly. It must have just been hours ago. You are remembering um, it But wrong. no, of course I believe you. Um, all right. Let's end it on you know a, a fun little one. Um, this one's from one of my recent podcast guests, uh, Ruby Miles. What's your post-long run, your go-to post-long run meal or snack? In reality, whatever I can find. Um these days, it's usually a superhero muffin because there's always a batch in the fridge because I make so many. But after a race, I love a really good burger and Five Guys french fries. And I want to be specific. The burger is not from Five Guys. Ideally, it would be a home grilled burger made by my husband. But the fries are Five Guys french fries. Your turn. All right. So this and this is the problem is that post long run slash race, you have these dual competing things like, you know, you want the fries from this place, you want the burger from this place, but your body's like, I want Nothing. something now and I don't care what it is. Right. So like, I feel like I always, I, I have this constant going up against. So like for me, I have this pull of, I'm just going to eat the first thing I see in the house. And then also the second and third and fourth things that I see in the house. While at the same time, what I really want to do is have like a huge greasy omelet with like eight pieces of butter just dripping. I mean, eight pieces of bread, I'm sorry, just dripping with butter, right? Like basically like how you would eat lobster, just dipping it in a pool of butter. That's what I want to do with bread post long run with like a huge omelet with nine different ingredients inside of it. Um, I actually... I'm not usually hungry right after a race or a hard run. 
I actually want nothing. And then hours later, I'm like, right this second, I need a giant meal and a six hour nap. Oh, that's nice. But I don't have that like right after hunger. Oh, that's funny. Because for me, it's it, the hunger never abates. It just it just continues. Like sometimes it might be the volume might have been turned down a little bit. But it's always there. It's always in the background. It's like, you know, it's like Doc McStuffins in my house right now. It's, ne- it's omnipresent. And just sometimes it's louder than it, it is at other points. I love it. All right. Look at this. 70 minutes. We hit the 70 minute mark. It's time <laughs> to roll. Allie, thanks again for coming on the show. And everybody, thank you for listening to Ramblings on the Run with Allie and Matt. No, no, no. Thanks for rambling with us on the run. I was prepared the whole time. Oh my God. Did I, I, I finally had it and I ruined it. Of course. We, we, I think the pandemic is going to end when we can end one of these shows the right way. I think we, we, find, so I think we figured it out. Allie, thank you so much for coming on the show. As always, this has always been a highlight for me every month with this show, getting a chance to talk to a true pro and such a great person. Allie Feller, if you haven't done so already, go check out mastering40.com. It's a domain that I bought. It basically just feeds you right back into the ramblingrunner.com website, which I love. I just redid it today. I redid the whole thing today. So if you, you know, if you're so inclined, go check it out. Tell me what you think. Uh, with all of that being said, thank you so much for listening. And thank you, of course, to our sponsor, Prevenex. They're with us every step of the way. Go check them out. Joint Health Plus. We talk about health a lot in this podcast. Go protect yourself. Joint Health Plus. I cannot recommend it strongly enough. Have a great day and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the focal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.